0: coming up next
1: and what are your meals like at home when you're cooking for the family after a a long day are are you ever Um, doing the run to fast food we get a lot of takeout (laughs) (laughs) takeout from your restaurant
0: (laughs) the job talk podcast shares stories from people who are passionate and love what they do in their careers through conversation we explore their careers past work experiences and the education that got them to where they are now we are putting together a career crisis ultimate interview series. We are asking experts to give their best advice and guidance around work anxiety, career pressures, career goal setting, and ultimately career transformation. To learn more about this special interview series and get notified when it's available, please visit our webpage at thejobtalk.com slash help.
1: Today's guest is Theo Pasalios. Here's our job talk with the restaurateur. Tour. Okay, Theo, I think my first question for you today is, were you always destined to become a chef and work in the culinary world?
2: Uh, it appeared that way. Uh, <laughs> from as long as I can remember, when I was very little, I've I've always been surrounded by restaurants or immersed in restaurants. Yeah. And uh, there was a period, long period of time where I told myself, I had this little story in my head that. I will never ever work in a restaurant or own a restaurant and uh lo and behold, here we are.
1: Now, people that don't know your dad is a famed restaurateur um and chef. Could you talk a little bit about him?
2: Yeah, I mean his story goes way back uh to when he was a teenager going to, you know, ho- you know, I think he left his He left home when he was about 14 and went to hotel school. This is back in Cyprus, which is where our family is from. And uh, he worked on the merchant ships and uh, as a chief steward. So taking care of hosting the the staff, taking care of the staff, the the crew, I should say, on the boat. And I think 1975 is when he uh, came to Canada and started his first restaurant back in Vancouver. And uh, he's been in the restaurant business ever since.
1: Yeah. How did, and I don't want to get into a huge story yeah. uh, with him, but how did he end up in Edmonton?
2: Yeah. So he and my, he and my mom broke up or divorced when I was two. So yeah. they were super young. And uh, so he left Vancouver in the late seventies and moved to Edmonton. in I think about 1980 and that's where he started his first restaurant. So since he's been in Edmonton since 1980 and uh, said many restaurants since then.
1: After high school, did you go into culinary school or did all of your training come from working uh, with your dad and through restaurants?
2: All my training is through restaurants and uh, through my dad. So a lot of things I've learned from him. Actually, it's also my mom, who still lives in Vancouver. Her ex-husband also had restaurants. So in my teen years, I was working there as well. And it was an Italian restaurant. It was a different cuisine. But uh, I've been... Totally, I've been surrounded by it for, for quite a few years now. So, yeah, I guess you could say self-taught and and learning from being in the restaurants. And there was times where I broke away and worked at other restaurants. I, I moved to Toronto in my mid twenties and worked at different restaurants there just to get to to learn different cuisines, different uh, work environments. And uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's where my my culinary experience comes from. Do you speak Greek as well? I know.
1: You do? <laughs> I don't. Oh, you don't. Okay. I, don't. I was going to say, because uh, my dad emigrated from Denmark in 1962, and I, I think he looks at me with uh, incredible disappointment that I don't speak Danish. So um, so you're working in the culinary world. Um, and so you come back to Edmonton. What year did you
2: come back to Edmonton? Well, well, first of all, I mean, I grew up in Vancouver with my mom, and I would come out there and visit every summer. The first time I worked in the restaurant, I was probably 10 and I was dishwashing for my dad at one of the restaurants, actually the restaurant that still exists on White Ave. Um, And then I actually moved here in 2001 uh, for a little while, moved back to Vancouver. Then I came back, (laughs) worked for a few in 2003 and then My dad wanted to open up a restaurant, a second restaurant for us together. And I felt like I wasn't ready to sort of take to steer that ship because I was 24. I just I I didn't feel confident with what I knew. And I sold everything I had. I moved to Toronto kind of on a whim and thinking that, you know, okay, I'll just find a job when I get there, Uh, a cooking job and gain some more experience. It was actually quite difficult to find just a line cook job. It took me a whole week. And I ended up working for free for a a brand new restaurant downtown Toronto for a week because they weren't quite open yet. And I said, I'll just work, you don't have to pay me. I'll work for free until you're open. And that's where I got my first job in Toronto. And then I turned 25 and I worked there for about six, seven months. And then my dad said, hey, I found this other location in Edmonton. What do you think? And so after about seven months working for this other restaurant, this high-end Italian restaurant in downtown Toronto, I I felt I was ready. So that's when I decided to, okay, let's do this. And that's when I started my first restaurant in Edmonton. And that was 2004.
1: Oh, that's jumping into the fire. Um, yeah. I remember a reality television series that followed the restaurants that you guys owned in Edmonton. How did that come to be? How many seasons were there of the show? Could you talk a little bit about that experience?
2: Yeah. Backing up a a couple of years. uh, So we had a a location, a restaurant location. This is before Toronto.
1: Yeah.
2: uh, Where the whole family was working in this small restaurant. Um, Like, do you Want to know the location or is that yeah, important? Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. Just... So, so, we had that Greek restaurant on, on 124th Street called Katuki. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was very small, uh, about a thousand square feet. And the whole fountain, like, so my dad, my stepmom, my sister, myself, were all working there. And the smaller restaurant was very busy and it was super chaotic, uh, lots of fights, lots of action. And so this TV crew, uh, or sorry, a production company out of Edmonton called Innade Production Productions, they were regular customers of ours at the uh, at the restaurant, and they had the idea of documenting a family-run restaurant. And I think they were looking at a couple family-run restaurants in the city, and they ultimately chose us yeah. to follow us around. And so when they started filming, we were just at that one location, and then it was kind of at the same period of time that they started filming is when we were getting ready to open up other locations so that's when i I ended up was in the west end and then we started spreading out and then they were following us at the at the various locations
1: so with the reality i've never been on a reality series Uh, i've i've been in front of cameras here and there do they ask you to make things do they ask you to make drama happen or did that just come naturally because I, uh, I think I remember a few episodes where there was some conflict between you and your
2: your dad. Does that sound well? well that's, <laughs> I mean, that's always and we do. But there's no question. We butt heads all the time. Yeah, uh, similar personalities. He gets very easily frustrated when you don't do things how he wants you to do them, even though he hasn't explained to you how he wants. He just magically expects you. To do things a certain way and then when you don't he gets really upset anyhow uh what they would do with the the reality show is they would kind of check in on everybody and see what was sort of what was happening if there's any issues um any topics that are going on within the family and if so they'd get you together and try and bring that topic up or that issue. And see what happens. Or they would just interview people independently in regards to that issue. And then you get these two separate sides. Yeah. Let the drama ensue.
1: So it wasn't necessarily manufactured. It was, did you get to a point where you weren't even knowing the cameras were there shooting you?
2: You certainly get used to it after a while. At first, you're incredibly conscious that they're right there behind you when you're trying to work. But after a while, you do get used to it. And then, I mean, there's certain things where... I mean, it, in TV, they need to have sort of a, a beginning, middle, and end with like a storyline, right? Like it's, they can't just take just random footage and slap it together. So there was definitely certain, certain parts or certain episodes, if you go back and watch it, where they had to sort of drum up a little story. So it's, it's not like we're manufacturing facts, but it's, you know, I can give you an example. And in, in, there was an episode when we went to Las Vegas for my brother-in-law's stag. Yeah. They had to, well, that's kind of back to what I said. They, they couldn't just take random fo- random footage of us just partying in yeah. Vegas. So they had to come up with a storyline. So like, okay, well, how about you guys decide to have a contest while you're here? And that's what we did. And it was, so there was all these sort of events during our stay there that we had to compete in. And yeah. then it was like a prize at the end.
1: Yeah. yeah. How many seasons? How many seasons did
2: it run for? Uh, it was two seasons. It was, yeah. uh, I think, thirteen episodes altogether. Yeah. Yeah. And it do you one, think it helped helped your business? Oh, for sure. In fact, you know, when I some of the regrets I have is not is taking for granted how good that was for business and um, and not taking more advantage of that, or as as a business owner. Yeah. So there's a couple couple things that would have changed. With
1: that yeah. let's say this media gig that i have right now doesn't work out and uh i've often thought about teaming up with my incredibly talented sister-in-law um, and creating a f- starting up a food truck yeah. uh and the idea would be to sell um fancy gourmet grilled cheese sandwiches <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> i don't know if it's gonna work or not what are we up against if we're going into the food truck business? How, how much, like, how much do you have to invest into it? What are some of the legalities, insurance items? What, what are you looking at when you're creating a food truck?
2: Okay. Well, I, I would say the Coles notes on it is it it's not as, it's not as great as you think it might be. Like it, it takes a lot of work, like a yeah. lot of physical hours to actually, you know, make a buck. Um, it's not as great as it once, well, like at the beginning days when the when the scene was new in the city. Yeah. Uh, a, it was more novel, so you know it was busier. There was you know the idea, of the, and there weren't very many food trucks. So at the beginning, it was it was a lot better. Also, with the city, that is not nearly as wonderful as it once was at okay. the beginning. Uh, yeah. It's it's really painful now to getting, go through all the permits yeah. uh, just to communicate with them and to go through all those avenues that you need to, or the food truck, all the licensing and permits. It's, it's, that's not a happy journey.
1: Yeah. What, <laughs> what kind of an investment, like financial investment are you looking
2: at for like a basic food truck? I would say anywhere between 50 to hundred okay. to 150. If you want to get something super deluxe. Okay. I'm not going to do
1: this. It sounds okay. way, like way too much work and I'm quite lazy. And it's
2: um, seasonal too. So you only have a few months to make money and then you got, like, you have to figure something out.
1: Yeah. Are, are there mm-hmm. quite a, f- are there quite a few food trucks in a city of Edmonton and areas about a million, a little bit of over a million
2: people. Are there quite a few food trucks? It seems that way now. And you know, yeah. I'm, I'm out of, I'm out of the scene now. Like if I'm not too sure if we touched on the fact that we sold our food truck, we no longer okay. have one. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so I've seen a, a lot that I don't recognize and I've seen in the last 10 years, a lot of one and done. Yeah. You see them one year and then they disappear.
1: <laughs> it's like any business, um, that leads us into, could you talk to us about what
2: you're doing right now? Sure. Uh, yeah. So we started as a food, food truck in 2012. Uh, and then that kind of parlayed into, uh, a brick and mortar takeout shop that we have now, uh, when we had the food truck we were paying rent uh, basically in a commissary kitchen that we were only using six to eight months out of the year. So I'm thinking, well, why not lease a space that uh, will generate revenue all year round that you can also use as a commissary for the food truck. While well, that, uh, that space now that we're doing takeout out of is actually quite busy where the food truck, we uh, just weren't taking it out as much as we once were, because we're focusing more on the brick and mortar. And so, so
1: it's a, you
2: take out food, and you're also doing catering as well? Yeah, and lots of catering. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we're post-pandemic here a year, so the catering disappeared for a couple of years, and now it's, you know, bounced back, kind of doubled, sort of making up for lost time, which is great.
1: Yeah, so when the pandemic hit, did were you a dine-in service at that time? Did you have a restaurant that was dine-in?
2: Nope, nope. We were we were takeout from the very beginning, and yeah. so we were kind of designed for it, for Yeah, I was going to say. What yeah. were
1: your sales like throughout the pandemic? Like, did you see not having an actual uh, in dining experience, you were set up for what kind of the world went to for for food takeout?
2: We were, yeah. We uh, our sales doubled from yeah. pre to post, or yeah. pre to during pandemic rather, and uh, we we had to do some evolving just to 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 evolve with the the growth of the business so suddenly. So, you know, with online ordering, uh, just our setup, uh, our menu for the menu was doing some evolving like same items, but serving them in uh, in a different way. And uh, we were just, yeah, we were set up for it. I, you know, I felt guilty at times. People were like, how's business? You know, thinking we're a restaurant, so we were hurting. And I was like, yeah, actually pretty good. Yeah. I know a lot of people are, were suffering at the time, but uh, yeah, no, it was a big, it was a good bump for us. It was, it was good.
1: Yeah. I always love talking to people um, where you have a passion uh, as being a chef, but you're also a business owner. And the day to day operations kind of takes you away from what you're passionate about. Unless, are you passionate about the business operation side of things? Or is it just kind of the reality you're in?
2: You know what? I am. Like, it's when it's your little. Your little business project that you've been working on for so many years—you do—I—I I've, I've become passionate about it, where I constantly want to nurture it and constantly want to see it grow, and constantly thinking about what I can do to, you know, move the needle. Yeah. And uh, it's it—it's not just the food; I, a lot of it comes down to like nurturing the customers. I just—I really want to please the customers. That's what I really get passionate about. And that's through food and the service and, and building the relationships with the customers. That's, that's really what I'm passionate about. The food's just sort of a vehicle.
1: Can you talk a little bit about your day to day an average day for you?
2: Yeah. Uh, it starts early in the morning. Um, you know, it's, it's still such a small business that I'm off and it's like a sole proprietorship, which we're, you know, I can lead into later that we're trying to grow out of, where I'm, i still need to be hands-on because we're not quite big enough that I can totally step away and hire, uh, you know, sort of a kitchen manager or part of that is too, is the staffing issue in the labor market right now is not awesome. But, uh, my day, my day to day starts with me going in, you know, at 7am and I start prepping, uh, for the day. It's kind of our operation is similar to a bakery in the way that, you know, we, we prep a lot of things ahead of time and then get them ready to serve. And, and when we run out, we run out some things we can replenish, but, uh, it's a lot of prep beforehand. And then we sell throughout the day. Do you have any, uh, supply chain
1: issues? I know that's a big oh, thing for a yeah. lot of industry oh yeah we sure have yeah there's
2: many many items have disappeared for for three months at a time you know like main main item you know lamb is really popular on our menu a main staple and it was disappeared it was unavailable for i think three or four months last summer yeah and
1: are you getting any ingredients straight from
2: greece uh well yeah we don't order ourselves we don't get them straight from greece but they're greek imported products oh yeah all Olive oil, uh, the like herbs, the spices. uh, There's lots, lots of things. Yeah, um, you get from Greece. Yeah,
1: and then you're obviously probably buying off of local as well.
2: Um, The there's certain things I have to go through my head. Like there's some cheeses that we get locally. um, Some of our proteins we get locally, and you just you you get you. It's like a mixed bag of where you can get it, best quality products. And it's got, I mean, it has to be affordable as well. Otherwise yeah. the business part doesn't make sense.
1: What, what do you love most about what you're doing? If, if, you know, if that question is given to you, what, what gets you up
2: in the morning? Uh, well, I think that just, that goes back to what I was saying before. Uh, what I'm passionate about is, is I like the relationship. I love dealing with the customers, the relationships that we build with the customers. We have lots of regular clients, the clientele that come in and, you know, we joke and, and, you know, we ask each other about our day or our week and, and I just like taking care of them. That's, that's kind of, it's like you're, it's, it's similar to the restaurant where you're hosting people, you know, hosting people on a daily basis um, except we're you know, they're not dining in, but you know, I'm, there to give them the best food that we can and i want them to go home and enjoy the meal that we prepared and i I really mean that sincerely like it's you know we really try to make every every dish as best and tasty and healthy as uh, possible
1: and what are your meals like at home when you're cooking for the family after (laughs) a a long day are are you ever Uh, doing the run to fast food (laughs) we get a lot of takeout (laughs) take out from your restaurant yeah
2: Yeah. well it's funny actually my family gives me a hard time because i don't bring it home enough because i I get i mean you're you're cooking and you're you're seeing and you're dealing with the same food every single day that it's i i just i don't think of bringing it home to eat for myself personally but then my family gives me a hard time
1: (laughs) is is your dad still around is he still
2: yes yeah yeah. and is
1: and is he out of it completely retired, no. or oh, no? No,
2: no, no. no. <laughs> he uh, he was. If anybody that knows him will know that he actually moved down to Palm Springs for the last five or six years. Yeah. Uh, but he has just recently moved back to Edmonton, where he is set to open up his I don't know his twentieth restaurant in a matter of weeks. Wow. Are you going to be involved with that at all? Nope. Okay. <laughs>
1: Okay. I have another question with that, but,
2: uh, what are, I, it, what are I, I say stories? that with love. I say yeah. that with love. No, no, it's, it's better that way and everybody's happy.
1: Yeah, no, I think I'm going to have to go and try to find this, uh, the series that you were on to see how, if there was a c- conclusion to it. Um, My but, dad has a
2: whole box of DVDs.
1: Oh, does he? <laughs> <laughs> then he hands out to friends of family. <laughs> I love it. Um, supply chain issues aside, what are some of the biggest challenges that you're
2: experiencing day to day? The day to day? Well, I mean, I, it's probably on more of a macro level. It's, it's staff, avail- staffing issues as far as there's not many, you know, st- people out there that are taking up the jobs. and If you, you can just see on social media every, in the service sector or anybody that's, that's advertising or owns a restaurant is trying to find staff. And it's just, that's showing that there's just a real shortage for the service industry. And I've been seeing it on, you know, in the news headlines as well. So it's, I think it's across the country. Yeah. Um, so that plays a part where you're just co- constantly trying to fill holes in the schedule, especially when you start getting busier and busier. And it's, it's hard on the people that are working yourself and everybody's getting a little tired. So that's that's one thing. Uh, the food cost has been relentless, relentless in the last two years. Yeah. Um, constantly increasing, and you just you have to. I hate raising my prices, and you still, but you have to find that 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 really thin line of where you're not going to be scaring your customers away, uh, but you still need to, you know, make a living and keep the the business open. So that's been a real big struggle, and it's with the food and the paper products especially for us. So it's all takeout and those paper products have been, they've gone up like 30% in the last year and that's a major, yeah. You, are
1: you optimistic that things are going to improve or is it just going to keep going the way it is?
2: Uh, it ha- I mean, it's, it has to level off eventually. Like it has to plateau. Uh, it feels like it kind of has in the last few months. I haven't seen any, I think, hopefully those big jumps at the beginning of the year of this year have, are the, the last we'll see for a while. I hope. Um, so I don't know, I'm always optimistic and, you know, for our business, the good thing about it is it's so small, it's nimble, it's flexible. We've just been adapting for the last five years and we keep coming out ahead, knock on wood. Hopefully that keeps happening and, uh, yeah, we're just, uh, grinding away, trying to figure out how to, uh, send our kids to college.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm building uh, a library of interviews with occupations from across the board, They're like yeah. a huge variety. What I like about, um, you know, the culinary world, you're not really looking at having to go to school for 10 years. Like if you were in the medical field and you were trying to specialize, but do you have any advice you could offer somebody who loves to cook, um, you know, maybe they, they don't do it, they don't do it as their day job, but they've always been curious about getting into the culinary world. Do you have any advice for somebody looking to, to enter that?
2: Well, if you're a young person, what I would do, so things when I look back and things I wish, oh, it would have been fun to do it this way. Um, you know, I would have gone to take my degree, my culinary degree, and then I would have traveled with it and try to find jobs. Uh, They call them uh, stage, which is you kind of work for free, but at really, really uh, high-end restaurants around the world and you find places to do that. And I think that would be just an amazing, amazing experience. And you may find one restaurant in one city that really speaks to you and you may stay there and have a wonderful experience. I think that would have been something to be cool to have done if I was uh, when I was younger. So that's the kind of thing. Like if you're, you know, a single, you're still trying to figure what you want to do with your career. That's the way to do it. Uh, If you already have an established career and you're thinking about moving into the culinary arts, I would say no. Yeah. I I was going to say, (laughs)
1: yeah. And that's, that's a fair statement. Um, And they should, should think about that.
2: I, I would keep, you know, try to find a career that's not making you miserable. Um, yeah. and, and then I would take some culinary class. There's so many classes that you can do sort of part-time and you can learn a lot from them yeah. and, and just, you know, you have to eat every day. So you're going to be able to have fun with your hobby often, right? Yeah. And that's, that's yeah. what I would do if you're, if you're already established with the job,
1: for sure. Um, do you have kids? Do you yeah, have... we have three, three kids. Yeah. Are any of them showing interest in going into, into the family business?
2: Funny. Yeah. One of them says that uh, that she'd really like to do. She'd like to be a vet and yeah. and a baker. <laughs> and, uh, she wants to do both. So yeah, that's kind of cool. I I I guess it, you know it's hard to make a uh, a really good living in the culinary arts. I mean, you unless you go into a, become a restaurateur, right? And you become a successful restaurateur. It is. It's so risky though. Yeah. you know so i guess in the, in this for the sake of protecting my kids i'm like no 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 no, go do something do something safe make a nice living yeah <laughs> and then everybody's happy
1: medicine law yes um, that's right yeah those are the first two <laughs> um what what are your plans for the future here are you you're going to continue doing the same same thing or do you have some big big ideas that you're gonna try to do
2: well i may have touched upon it before but uh you know, we've been getting busier and busier year over year, and it would be, we're trying to work on how to grow the business, what that next step might, might look like. I don't know, maybe a second location. I just want to do it, make sure we're doing it properly and soundly. So uh, it's just, it's a constant, uh, constant work of progress or work in progress, sorry, of, you know, getting all your systems nailed down so that when you do open up a second location or you expand into something larger that you're you're well planned for it yeah. so that's what we're trying to do we're just trying to get bigger and bigger but awesome conservatively <laughs> yeah
1: all right well theo i wish you all of the luck in the world moving forward and i just want to thank you for giving us uh some time today
2: hey my pleasure it's happy to be here
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Job Talk podcast. For more information, please visit us at thejobtalk.com. Our podcast music was created by our friend Mike Malone in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada.